Hello everyone and welcome back to the Drew View. In today's show, we have a little detail to add to the Trump tape that was leaked where he was admitting that he held classified material and what that means, what this new information means, and we're also going to be talking about a plan that has been mentioned by a candidate running for president on the Republican ticket and why I think that plan is a great idea. I'm Drew Bennett, and you're listening to The Drew View. Alrighty, folks, thank you guys for tuning back into another episode of the show. So first off, we got to start off with what we talked about yesterday, and that was there was this about two minute long clip that came out where Trump was talking to someone and he was talking about how there was these documents that really prove uh, that really make his case for him because it had came out after, you know, he had left the presidency that, oh, Trump wanted to start a war with Iran and it was all Trump's idea. And this was the narrative that was being pushed. Trump was allegedly talking to one of his people about how there were these documents that proved that it was Millie's idea and not his, and uh, they they would release those except they're highly confidential, and you know he could have declassified them when he was president, but he can't now. And everyone was like, "Oh my gosh, that's the incriminating evidence. That's the smoking gun we needed to get Trump." There it is. Well, folks. Not so fast. As I said yesterday, we have to look at these things and we have to be sure that we're not just jumping on the bandwagon of, oh, yeah, yep, Trump's a bad guy. We got to get him now. And whenever these things come out, you always have to wait for context, for details, everything like that. And a CBS News article, keep in mind, CBS is far from a right wing news network, they came out with an article. I did not see it by the time I had recorded the episode for yesterday, but here's what it says. The Defense Department, and this is a quote from the article, the Defense Department memo on Iran at the heart of the now public audio recording that captured a July 2021 meeting with former President Donald Trump is not part of the 31 counts of willful retention of national defense information charged in special counsel Jack Smith's indictment of the former president. So, there it is, folks. There is the context, the information that we needed to fully make a judgment call on what Trump was talking about here. That was not even part of what he is being indicted for. So they can say, oh, well, Donald Trump, he was talking about these documents and how he could have declassified them, but he didn't. No, this was a separate document that doesn't even come up in the indictment. There's 31 counts. You would think that if this was one that they were really concerned about, oh, well, we better add that. We already have 31. Why not add another one? But no, they didn't. That is not part of the indictment. So that really begs the question, okay, so why was this leaked? If it doesn't, if it doesn't really help their case any, because, you know, it it really is not going to be helpful in a court of law because they're going to say, well, that's not even a doc, like it's totally irrelevant. They can strike it for relevance because it is 
absolutely ridiculous that you would bring this up when it's not even relating to any of the documents in the case. I don't see how this could be relevant because he was just specifically talking about that document that he did not declassify, although he could have while he was president. Although that one isn't even mentioned in the indictment. So what is what is the context there? There is none. There's no reason for that to get leaked except for this one thing right here. Are you ready for it? I think CBS is the only news network that I've seen that actually talks about how this document that they're talking about isn't even in the indictment. So why would they release it? Well, yes, it doesn't actually help their case any in a court of law, but they aren't focused on the case that's being put through the court of law. That's not the case that they're trying to win. They're trying to win the case with the American people that Donald Trump is a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad orange man. That's the only case they're trying to prove. And every piece of evidence that comes out that gets leaked, anything like that, it has nothing to do with helping their case in a court of law. They are going to lose every case that they bring in the court of law. And that's just how it's going to be. But they don't care. They're fine with that as long as they win the case that they're worried about. And that is the case with the American people. That is the case that they're trying to fight. Democrats, prosecutors, Department of Justice, everyone in the government currently under this current administration is focused on proving one case. And that's the case to the American people that Donald Trump is a criminal. They do not care about actually proving that in a court of law, because I almost guarantee you that every single one of these indictments is going to be either laughed away or is going to be, he's going to be found not guilty. I think that's simply what's going to happen. But what you will probably see is people saying, oh, Man, if Trump has all this corruption and he's done all these things, wow, well, we, we better, we better uh, not vote for him. He's a pretty, pretty bad guy. No, that's, that's really not the case. What they're trying to do is they're trying to get people to think that. That's exactly what they're trying to do. They would love for the American people to say, Donald Trump's a criminal, can't vote for him, even though none of these cases have actually went through the court of law, none of these cases have actually found him guilty of everything. They've just indicted him, but that's what they want. They want that indictment looming while they push the trial off. What they're going to do here is kind of interesting. They're going to say, so what we're going to do is we can have these indictments and we're going to have all these cases. We can either have them right during the middle of the election where it's going to mess everything up and it's going to make it so Trump can't campaign and it's going to make it so Trump can easily be beaten because he's in court instead of campaigning. Or we can push these cases off until after the election, if that's really what you want. But all that means is that the American people are going to have this image in their head of Trump being indicted 52 different times. Well, it's more than that, but, you know, he's being indicted here and there and everywhere. He he makes a joke. I fly over a blue state and I get a subpoena to go before a grand jury for an indictment. And there's kind of some merit to that. But anyway, so you've got all these cases going on. And one of two things is going to happen. 
they're going to say, hey, you can mess up your entire campaign and spend no time campaigning and all your time in court, just, you know, settling all your legal battles. You can do that. Or we can push them off until after the election so all the American people can think you're a criminal until the election's over. And then we'll just forget that it even happened because you probably won't run again. But if you do run again, then, of course, we are going to bring all those back and, and you're going to be a criminal again. It's all about, it, it really is election interference. I don't think we can call it anything else, right? It's election interference at the highest level. It's election interference in a way that we've never seen before. It's not, hey, I'm going to go buy some votes. Hey, I'm going to do this, do that. It's not like they're going to go in and steal ballots or, or stuff, you know, fake ballots. And they don't have to do that. They have other ways to rig elections now. It's that simple. And if you get down to like what it means to rig something, that's exactly what they're doing. You know, if you look at the definition of rig, manage or conduct something fraudulently so as to produce a result or situation that is advantageous to a, a particular person. That is exactly what is happening. There are fraudulent cases being brought against President Trump in order to produce a result that is advantageous to the left. It's that simple. That is what is happening. Now, this is why I think conservatives, Republicans, they mess up their words here. The Democrats rigged the 2020 election. They fraudulently went through and went against state constitutions by implementing laws that were for mail-in voting or for, you know, all these types of voting and all of these different ways where it's like the state constitution said, no, you can't do that in an election year. But they said, oh, COVID, sorry, we got to do it. And mass mail-in voting. There you go. We'll send, oh, mass ballot harvesting, which means that, you know, Democrats can go to houses and pick up ballots. So they just go and essentially they can find people who haven't voted and say, oh, yeah, fill, fill in that. Democrat. Okay, thank you. You know, so the, they have mass ballot harvesting. And that's legal, by the way. And it was made legal in the 2020 election, mass mail-in voting, all these different things, mass drop boxes, all of these things that are going against state constitutions that were implemented simply because they thought that they could find a way to, okay, we can make this so that Trump loses because we can manipulate the laws in such a way we're doing it fraudulently because it goes against state constitutions, but we're going to do it in a way that we just blame COVID and then we can say we won fair and square. And technically, based on all the laws that they changed and put on the books, technically, yes, but because they went against state constitutions, because they did things that were blatantly unconstitutional in each state, then it's like, well, no, you rigged it. You rigged the laws. You fraudulently changed the laws in order to produce a result that's advantageous toward the left. In 2024, they're doing the same thing. But what I'm saying when I say that conservatives are kind of messing up their words, they rigged the 2020 election and they are in the process of rigging the 2024 election. That is different than to say they stole the 2020 election. That's totally different. Sto like stealing an election would be, oh, well, Trump won and then they just came in and took it out from under him, and that is not what happened. They, they, there's no evidence of that. And, you know, they've tried to prove this and that. It, it, it hasn't really been proven. But what has been proven is 
the FBI colluded with Twitter in order to put out information that was damning toward President Trump and which gave an unfavorable view of Trump. And at the same time, they censored anything that came out about Joe or Hunter Biden. And the FBI colluded with Twitter in a fraudulent way. Again, another example of rigging that election. Now you're seeing, okay, they are not letting Robert F. Kennedy debate Joe Biden. They are charging Trump with all of these crimes that are a bunch of bogus for the most part. And they're not letting him have the chance to prove his innocence until either when he's supposed to be campaigning or when the election is already over. So all these things are just looming over people's heads where they're just thinking, oh man, Trump really is a bad guy, but that's just not the case. In every situation, they just did these indictments at a perfect time. It just so happens that they did these all at a perfect time where, okay, now by the time the election rolls around, Trump is going to have you know, four different cases against him, one in New York, one in Georgia, one in Florida, one in D.C., like he's going to have cases everywhere. And that's what they want. That's exactly what they want, because that is how they're going to rig the 2024 election. It's that simple. It's election interference. You can like Trump. You can hate Trump. There are Democrats that Robert F. Kennedy Jr., for example, came out yesterday yesterday or a couple days ago and said that he's proud that Trump likes him. He's proud that Trump likes him. He said, because Donald Trump has something in common with me. We both have common sense. We both have common sense. That's another hint, guys. You could see a Trump-Kennedy ballot, and wouldn't that be something? Trump-Kennedy. Just the, the two names that you would never expect to go together. I mean, I guess at one point when Trump was, you know, a big lib, and when he voted for Democrats, supported Democrats, donated to Democrats, when he did all that, maybe you could have saw that. But like recently, if you would have said there's going to be a Trump-Kennedy ticket, oh my gosh, people would bust up laughing. But it's a possibility. Trump has come out and said, you know, he likes Robert F. Kennedy. He's kind of good friends with him. Robert F. Kennedy. I like Trump. I'm glad that he likes me. Like, Robert F. Kennedy is kind of just one of those people who he doesn't want to like upset everyone. He's like, I like Biden too. I've been friends with him for decades. So like, I, he's just like, I like everybody. I'm, I'm good with everyone. But if Biden and the Democrats will essentially oust him from the party and will say, get out of here, you're not running. And meanwhile, Trump and the Republicans are like, hey, we like free speech. We like people who have differing viewpoints. And if we, it'll help us win elections. Come on join the ticket. I could see it happening. I think it would be crazy. It'll be interesting. But before we can just give it to Trump, there is another candidate in the race. Obviously, well, there's multiple candidates in the race now. There's a ton of candidates in the race. But there's one in particular that I'm super interested in, and that is Vivek Ramaswamy. And he came out and he has introduced a lot of policies that I think are just yeah, like I just think I'm like, yes, exactly. You're you're saying what I'm thinking. And he's articulating these things very well. Here's one thing that he talks about. And I this was a policy that I heard him talk about a little while ago and kind of understanding more about it. I really do appreciate it. And it is the idea that he starts off and he says that, you know, 
One of the biggest issues in our country is that we have a national identity crisis. You ask someone what it means to be an American, they give you a blank stare. You ask high schoolers or young people, millennials, what it means to be an American, or are they proud to be an American, and they say no. Like, I think 60% of them aren't proud to be an American, which is sad. It's incredibly, incredibly sad. But one of the reasons that is, is because they have not had to do anything to inherit this country that we all know and love. They haven't had to do anything for it. It's just been handed to them. And when you get things handed to you, you don't have the appreciation that you otherwise would. It's the same argument that people make for why you shouldn't have this mass student loan forgiveness. If people are just getting all their debt paid for, they're not going to appreciate what it means. Okay, I got to pay off all this debt, so I really need to use that college education. I really need to use that because I spent all this money on it. No, they're just, oh, the government will pay it off for me, and I don't really need to use it for anything because it's just government paid for. It's just like high school. Which, you know, that's neither here nor there. I'll get into that later. But he's saying people need to start to do something to understand or to inherit citizenship. What does he say we should do? You get naturalized citizenship, you know, if you're born here. And he doesn't really say that that's wrong or anything like that. But what he does say is that you have to, in high school, if he was president, he would make it so you have to pass the same citizenship test that someone who's immigrating to America has to pass to graduate high school. You got to do it. It's as simple as that. I think that is brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Do you have so many people who don't know jack squat about this country? They don't know what anything about history. They don't know anything about how our government works, yet they want to go and vote in our elections, and they want to go do this and that and act like they're citizens of this country when they've not had to do anything for it. So he's articulating a point here that I think a lot of us agree with and a lot of us understand. I think it's incredibly important that we kind of pay some attention to this. He also says that he wants to make an amendment, and this is an interesting one. He wants to make an amendment where the voting age is raised to 25, but wait, 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 or you have to do one of two things. You can vote if you're the ages of 18 to 25 if you meet one of these two requirements. You have to either pass that citizenship test that people immigrating to this country have to pass, which is essentially stating that you have to know enough about this country that you're not walking in completely clueless to a voting booth. And I think that would be incredibly impactful and that would be helpful because a lot of these young people they go and vote, and yes, they pay taxes, but that's about the only thing that they do or know about the government, which is pretty sad. Or you have to have six years of military service. Not six years, sorry, six months of military service. I think that should be like changed to say if you are in the military currently, you can also vote because I mean, like, if someone is in their third month into service, then they should still be able to vote. I think if they're, you know, currently, you know, in the army or Navy, whatever, I think that that should also be the case. But I, I like 
how we have someone who's articulating points where it's like, it's not just the same things that people talk about over and over and over. Oh, we got to taxes. Oh, um, you know, lower taxes, reduce spending and wokeness, like all these things where it's like, okay, how? And then they're like, uh, well, you just got to do it. Like, no, you have to have actual policy decisions. That's why I'm starting to get a little leery of Ron DeSantis. He comes out with an ad. Oh, we got to stop all this illegal immigration. Well, yeah. How? Uh, well, you see, um, uh, crap. Like, it's, you have to actually have a plan. You can't just point out the problem. You have to have a plan to fix it. I've talked about this for a long time. You can't just run from something. This is what Vivek says. You can't just run from something. You got to be running towards something and you got to have a plan for what you're running towards. So I think that was a, that's a great plan that's laid out by Vivek. I think DeSantis has got to get his messaging together. He's got to start actually implementing, or not even implementing, just talking about policies that he wants for the country. Yes, he's doing some things in Florida, but at a state level and a national level are two different things. He's probably not been in Florida for a long time now. He's more worried about campaigning than he is about his own state. So if you're going to be campaigning, you better be giving people some good things to look forward to, not just a bunch of jibber jabber. You got to actually have some policies that you're going to be ready to implement. So anyway, hopefully you enjoyed this episode. Hopefully you got something out of it. If you did, be sure to share the episode with your friends. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss another episode. I'll be back next week, but let's end now with our closing prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, you're a great and mighty God. I want to thank you for this day, another day that you've given me to speak into this microphone. I just pray that the words I say be a reflection of you to those who hear them. And Father, I just ask that you help us to be a light of you to those around us and help us to be bold in our faith. We love you and we praise you and it's in your name. Amen. Thank you guys for sticking around until the end of another episode. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, of course, be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss another episode. I can't wait to see you guys back here again next week. But until then, stay blessed.